Hi and welcome to Youth Talk, a podcast run by Baptist Youth where in each episode we take a different topic and think about it from the perspective of a Christian young person. In today's episode we're continuing our three-part series thinking about Christian assurance. How can I be sure I really am a Christian? Well, last week we started thinking about the topic of assurance. How do I know I really am a Christian? And as we said last week, this is going to be a three-week mini-series thinking about this really important topic. Uh, We do know that there are times in our lives as believers where we start to doubt whether or not we really are the real deal. And last week we maybe touched on some of the reasons why that might be the case. It could be just an awareness of your sin. It could be uh, something that you feel as you encounter particular Bible passages uh, that really scare you or convict you. And so really today and next week, we're going to start thinking about what are the proper grounds for assurance? What are the things I can cling to and uh, to really help me take confidence and have confidence that I am truly one of God's people? And uh, before we dive into the three that I want us to look at, probably it's good to, to acknowledge that there are some things that we can cling to and use as grounds of assurance that are actually not very good or, or things to have confidence in or things to cling to if we're doubting uh, whether or not we're Christians. These are kind of poor grounds for assurance. Uh, for example, things like, well, I said the sinner's prayer when I was, you know, six years old, you know, and that could have been 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. I asked Jesus into my heart, whatever the case may be. And we keep just hearkening back to that moment and say, because of that moment, I have confidence that I really am a Christian. Um, that could have been a, a genuine conversion experience, but if that's all we're clinging to, and that's probably not the best grounds upon which to have assurance that you really are a Christian. Another thing we might cling to, which is maybe not that helpful, is just things like church attendance. You know, I go to church every week, so surely that makes me a Christian. Well, the Bible would seem to suggest that's not the case. Or my parents are believers, therefore that means I'm automatically a Christian. Again, that's not what the Bible teaches, um, that we're saved on, upon the basis of our parents and their status before the Lord. Um, so those are a couple of examples of things that we could cling to and use as grounds of assurance, which actually aren't very good at means of really gaining or having any sort of assurance that we really are one of God's people. So then the question is, what are the legitimate grounds for assurance for the believer? What are the things that we can cling to? And I want us to see three over the next two weeks. We'll look at the first one today, or next two weeks. We'll look at one today and we'll look at two next week. And the one that we're going to look at today is the gospel. Okay, The next two Next week will be the spirit and obedience. These are three out of the four grounds of assurance given by Greg Gilbert in that great little book that I recommended to you last week, the book called Assured, and that I would really recommend that you check it out. But as he describes these three kind of grounds of assurance, the gospel, the spirit, and obedience, he talks about the first one, the gospel being the most important one. And that's really the driving force. It's kind of like the accelerator in your car. If you want your car to move, you put your foot on the accelerator. And that's kind of like what the gospel is and the role that it plays with regards to our assurance. The other two, the spirit and the obedience, they're kind of almost like confirming signs. They're not the accelerator. They're more like the speedometer in your car. As you put your foot on the accelerator and the car starts to move, what happens to confirm that you are moving? Your speedometer also moves, doesn't it? And it starts to, to move. That little needle moves to the right. And uh, that's what those last two, that's the role that they play almost in our role of assurance. Um, They prove that we are Christians. They kind of act as confirming signs. They're like the speedometer in your car. And that's important because quite often when we lack assurance as believers, um, what do we do? We we take something like obedience and we think, well, I got to try my best and I got to try harder just to be a better person and to sin less. And then that'll make me more confident that I really am a Christian. But, but what Greg Gilbert says is that's almost like, you know, your car's not moving. And so what will I do? I'll, I'll put my hand over under the speedometer and just move that little needle. And then hopefully the car will move. 
Um, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. What you really need to do is to press into the accelerator, press on it harder and further. And uh, that's what we want to do as we think about this first point of the gospel. It is the thing that we really want to press into. It is the accelerator, the thing that will give us confidence and the thing that will be a proper means of having assurance that we really are um, one of God's children. So that's what we want to look at today. Then next week we'll think about the spirit and obedience. So the first one, then, the gospel, the thing that we need to primarily cling to as a means of our assurance that we really are Christians, like the accelerator in the car. Um, No doubt if I was to ask most of you watching or listening to this, what is the gospel? You could probably tell me really, really clearly. You know, the gospel is that I'm a sinner, that I can't make myself right before God. I can't improve myself to the degree that he welcomes me into his family and accepts me because of the reality of my sin. And so I need a saviour, and that saviour was provided, God's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's upon the basis of his goodness, not mine, that I'm made acceptable before God because of his work on the cross. We all know the gospel and you can probably uh, give a really clear explanation. But the irony is that whilst we know this in our minds, um, that we only become Christians because of the gospel and because of Jesus' work, for some reason when we think about not becoming a Christian, but living as a Christian, for some reason those same principles seem to go out of the window. You know, we kind of have this mindset that we're saved by grace and that's how we're welcomed into God's family. But once we're in God's family, it's kind of all about our works, right? And we no longer need God's grace. It's no longer about him and his son, the Lord Jesus. It's kind of about me and what I can do to prove myself that I really am a true Christian. Um, But the reality is that the gospel is not just the means through which we become a Christian. It's the fuel that we need to live as a Christian. We still live as a gospel. We live the Christian life in the same way that we entered the Christian life, by God's grace and through the gospel. And there are some really uh, important Bible verses, I think, in the New Testament, particularly in Romans, that help me when I think about the role of the gospel and the importance of Jesus Christ as it relates to even my assurance. Um, Romans 3, 21, it's going to be on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, Paul says, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Okay, so remember that verse, Romans 3.20. And then skip forward two chapters to Romans 5.20. It says, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So Paul's talking there about the law. The law is the Old Testament law given to God's old covenant people, the people of Israel. And you see what, what Paul's saying, the purpose of the law was? It was to almost create this awareness of their sin. The old people of Israel they, they had all these laws, and what happened? They broke the laws time and time and time again. And the whole point of that was the law was exposing their sinfulness. The law was exposing humanity's inability to keep God's law and God's rules in and of their, their own accord. And so what was crying out to us in the Old Covenant? We need a saviour. We need a rescuer. And so the whole Old Testament in that regard is pointing forward to Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus because we as humans can't do it by ourselves. We mess up time and time and time again. And that's helpful, isn't it, as you think about your uh, relationship with um, God and you think about your own sinfulness? You know, I wonder if you're watching this, do you think to yourself, I really lack assurance because I don't pray enough? Do you know what the gospel would say? The gospel says, you're absolutely right. You don't pray enough. You need Jesus. In fact, your prayer life is worse than you even think that it is. And so that just proves that you need Jesus and you need the gospel. Maybe you're watching this and you're thinking to yourself, well, I lack assurance because I'm very aware of my sinfulness and my tendency to sin. Do you know what the gospel says? The gospel says you're absolutely right. You are a sinner. In fact, you're a far worse sinner than you even think you are. And your sins are more heinous to God than you even realize they are. You're more tainted with sin than you could even dare to imagine. And that's why you need Jesus. That's why you need Jesus. 
You see, the irony is that most of us, as we think about assurance, we, we lack assurance because we think we've got this real awareness of our sin, but the reality is we actually lack assurance because we've got too low a view of our sin. You see, Greg Gilbert says in his book that, that we often think that sin is just kind of this thing that kind of lives on the surface of our lives and that we could kind of brush it up and brush it off and, and, and clean it a wee bit. We think about that little bit of gossip or that little bit of lust or that little bit of whatever. And we think, if I could just get rid of that, then God would be more impressed by me and I could seem more legitimate before him and then I would have loads of assurance. But actually, that's to have too low a view of your sin. Your sin is not just this thing that lives kind of on the surface of your life. Your sin runs deep. It's part of who you are. It's, you're corrupt with it. You're born with it. You've got this imprinted sinful nature. And so no amount of self-assurance of just kind of cleaning yourself up or getting rid of a few things is ever going to cut it. We need, to our very core, we need the gospel. And so we can't be tempted to give self-assurance a try by just cleaning a few things up. Our sin runs far deeper than that. And so to think that if I could just clean up these few areas of my life, and feel like a better person, then I would have more confidence before God. That's to have far too low a view of your sin and its actual effects on you as a human being. We see this, for example, in in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 22, the fact that it's the gospel and it's Jesus' work that is the grounds of assurance, not ours. Um, The author there says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, the house of God, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So do you see there, the author of Hebrews is really saying the same thing, isn't he? He's saying that that we can draw near to God with a heart full of assurance. So this is possible for you to have this sort of assurance, one full of confidence. Why? Because of the three things that he says enables us to do that. Do you notice them? Firstly, the blood of Jesus. Secondly, the tearing of the curtain. Thirdly, because Christ is our high priest. Those are the grounds of assurance. Nothing that you do, everything that Jesus has done on your behalf because of the gospel. A great illustration that I think helps me as I think about this was one I think I heard from Tim Chester, first of all, in one of his books um, about Meghan Markle. Now, Meghan Markle and Harry have kind of ruined this illustration (laughs) through their recent antics. Um, but I'm not sure if you've seen this picture. If you're watching this on YouTube, the picture will be on the screen. It's uh, Meghan Markle and her friend visiting Buckingham Palace sometime in the 90s. I think they were at school. It must have been a school trip or something. And so you can see them here sitting outside Buckingham Palace uh, on this little school trip. Now, if, if Meghan Markle at that point, on that school trip, had tried to enter through Buckingham Palace, would she have been able to do it? The answer is no. A guard, one of those crazy guards, would have tackled her before she could get anywhere near entering into the palace and sitting with the queen. She's not worthy. You know, fast forward 20 years, she gets married to Prince Harry. And uh, then if she visits Buckingham Palace, which she would have done many a time, and she tries to enter through the the front door of that palace gate and, and sit with the queen, can she do it then? Well, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And what's changed... What's changed for Meghan Markle? The only thing that's changed is not her inherently. She's still the same person. The only thing that's changed is who she's united to. Now, she's united to Prince Harry. She came into union with him the moment she married him. And so it's on the basis of her union with Prince Harry that she is granted access to the presence of royalty. And she's welcomed into the family of the royal family. Um, It's not through her. It's through who she's united to, royalty. And the same thing's true of the gospel, isn't it? In the gospel, uh, what changed? 
you're still the same person inherently. Okay, God give you a spirit and he forgive you. But the, the primary thing that changed is you are now united with Christ. You have union with Christ. And it's on that basis of that union with Christ that you're now welcomed into God's family. It's not about you. It's not about what you can do or can't do. It's about who you're united to. And you are united to Christ. That's why the Bible in the New Testament quite often refers to Christians, most commonly as those who are, quote, in Christ. We're in Christ. We have this union with him. And it's on that basis uh, that we can have confidence that we really are one of God's people. And so for full assurance of faith, um, that, that quote from John Bunyan is really helpful. For every one look we take at ourselves, we ought to take 10 looks at Christ. Okay, We ought to take 10 looks at Christ. We want to have confidence in our faith, our primary job and task is to look to Christ and not to ourselves. And, and that's part of the reason some of us struggle and lack assurance is because of this intense introspection. We're always looking in. We're always looking in. And of course, to some degree, introspection can be helpful. And, and the New Testament encourages it. You know, as 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 would suggest that self-examination is important. But far more often, the Bible talks about looking to Christ and making that our goal and our focus. It's like that imagery of Hebrews 12, that if we want to run the race well, we have to look forward uh, to the finish line. And we have to look to Christ, our maker uh, and our savior, as a means of uh, having full confidence and finishing the race well. And so I wonder what you're uh, preoccupied with looking at. Are you preoccupied with looking at yourself and your sinfulness? Are you preoccupied with looking around you to others and you're comparing yourself to others? Are you preoccupied with looking back at mistakes you've made in the past? The reality is our preoccupation needs to be looking to Jesus because it's through his work on the cross and it's on the basis of his good works and good deeds upon which we can be made right with this God. That's why he says, you know, in, in that really well-known passage in Matthew chapter 11, Come to me, all you are who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is speaking into a context, into a culture of people who wore themselves to the ground trying to earn their salvation and trying to appear pious and appear righteous and prove that they're really worthy of God's love. And it was into that context that Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Gospel rest. So on what basis can you have confidence in the fact that you really are a Christian? The primary means is through the gospel, through the gospel. Interesting, isn't it, that Greg Gilbert says in his book as well, that, that it's faith is the means through which we are made right with God. Why faith? Faith is, in some sense, nothing, isn't it? It's just like a resting. You know, if you sit in a chair, you're having faith in the chair. You're just resting on the chair. You're not doing anything. And isn't it interesting that that's the means by which we become a Christian, through exercising faith in the Lord Jesus, just a resting. It's not a striving, it's not a working. Of course, as Christians, there's, there's categories for that in terms of sanctification and becoming more holy. But in essence, to be a Christian, it's a resting, resting on the finished work of Jesus Christ. So uh, that's part two of our three-week series, looking at uh, Christian assurance. How can we have confidence? The first thing we need to press into, the most primary thing, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll continue and think through the, the final two things, which is the spirit and obedience. And so do join us next Tuesday as we think about those three, three, uh, two things and wrap up this little series on assurance. Thanks for joining us. Hope you have a great week and see you again soon.